Welcome to Let's Talk Cake. I'm Carrie. And I'm Savannah. And on today's episode, we will be talking to Brittany from Ledger Gurus. People aren't just bakers nowadays. They are definitely artists. So now I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, cancer's not going to hold me back from making cake. Are you kidding me? People sometimes ask, like, what's your hobby? Well, my hobby is my job. I love what I do. It's like a canvas that you get to start over every single time you do a new cake. And then you give it to someone and you get to see their smiles and their faces. I mean, it's unbelievably rewarding. Caking, for me, is all about creating a moment and a memory. Hi, you guys. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Let's Talk Cake, a podcast by cakers for cakers. I'm Savannah, and I'm here with my mom, Carrie, and together we own the dessert studio in Utah. So this week in the bakery, we discovered that we are really busy. (laughs) Yeah, we, I mean, I think it's also because of wedding season, but just because COVID is starting to die down and things, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, you guys. (laughs) We, We have all of this year's brides that are scheduling appointments, and we've had so many consultations the last couple of weeks and so many bookings, and I know one day last week, we we used to always do the consultations together. And one thing that we've changed lately, um, trying to minimize time in the bakery. Which has been so big for us. <laughs> game changing, actually, is that we now meet at the same time. So we will double book our consultations and Savannah will take one couple and I'll take one couple. And so we've been able to fit in a lot more consultations, but with that comes so much more preparation for the consultations. Yeah. I think we had eight in one day, right? Yes. And we each had one at the same time. And then before that, obviously, we need to create the flavors and their combinations and all of that. And so, yeah, we have just been slammed and so busy and the days in the bakery have been the longest days that we've ever had in the bakery and that's saying something because for a while when we first started we had an account where we were doing cookies for a little drink place and we were doing all of their cookies and on the day each week that we would do their cookies those felt like long hours but they're not even comparing to what we're doing now yeah but seriously it's just been amazing to see because it feels finally like this really is like taking off like it's felt like it's starting to grow and grow and little by little we're getting more busy and everything but I really feel like it has taken off and I yeah I'm so thankful for it because we've been putting in a lot of work and over the last two and a half years it's it has been very time consuming but it's so cool to just see all of that work and effort and time pay off and know that like this business is the real deal. <laughs> yeah. It's been really cool too because people are coming to us to order cakes that are that we're we're really excited about a lot of the cakes that people are ordering. So that's that's also really cool. Um one thing though that I think has added to the busyness is that last year so many of our brides and grooms postponed or rescheduled and, and so this year they're I mean, we'll have we have a few weekends where we were we would have called ourselves booked already, but then a COVID postponement um, sets their date and they let us know. And so we've got some weekends coming up that are they're going to be fun. Yeah, busy, busy. <laughs> but we're we're grateful. I don't want it to sound like because we're so busy that we're not grateful. We are really, really grateful to all of the people that trust us to to do the cakes for their special days because it's a blessing to us too. 
Yeah. And in today's interview, it's actually it ties in perfect with this because I'm sure so many people are experiencing the same growth after COVID and I'm sure so many of you out there are just getting busier and busier and we love that and I'm sure you feel the same way where it's both exciting and kind of, kind of, what's the word? Overwhelming. Overwhelming, <laughs> yeah. But this is a great interview because we talked to Brittany and she is the owner of an accounting firm and she just talks to us about all of the things and ways that we can kind of save time by by more efficiently taking care of our bookkeeping and our accounting and our, our systems, money. Yeah. yeah. And so I think this will be a great, great interview for all of you, especially as we all continue to grow and get more busy. Yeah. Because these are the things we don't want to be taking our time on necessarily. We want to be taking our time on creating beautiful cakes. And so this is just a great conversation to to kind of better understand how we can better take our time on the business end <laughs> on of the business end of things. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So she is um she is awesome and I think that you'll really enjoy hearing from her. So let's let's go ahead and get her on. Hi Brittany, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Hey, thanks, Savannah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited to talk to you. Brittany is a neighbor of ours and has a, a great little business that she's started herself called Ledger Gurus. We say little, but really it's, it's not huge. little. <laughs> tell I, us tell us about your business and all of the success you've found in your business. Well, it's definitely uh, a hobby that grew out of control, that's for sure. Um, so we've been in business about six years. Uh, we're, we're an accounting firm, but not a traditional accounting firm. We don't do um, taxes and we don't do audits and we don't do all those other things that accounting firms normally do. What we do is we take care of the internal financial operations of small businesses. So we do their bookkeeping, we check their receipts, we handle their bill pay, we manage their payroll, and then we help them make strategic business decisions based on what their financial information is telling them. So we have about 45 employees right now across wow. the United States, and we are growing rapidly and still trying our best to have fun doing it. You guys, when I first met Brittany about five and a half years ago, this was brand new, and I remember hearing her talk about it, and it was so fledgling, and I think it was you and maybe one other person in our neighborhood that was kind of helping out part-time, and yeah. and now 45 employees. I mean, seriously, yeah, I'm so incredible. excited for you, and we can all learn so much from someone who's doing so well, and I mean, following your dream and having it become a reality. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been it's fun to have friends who knew me when because it, it has changed so much. And, and as a professional, I have changed so much that it's fun to it's fun to talk to people who knew when it was just barely beginning and remember the early phases of when it was really just a dream and, a, and an inkling instead of the, the massive moving ship it is now. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so cool because. Obviously, we're very different. We're cakers. You're an accountant. Very different things, but it's the same. It's the same idea. I mean, you said this is a hobby that just grew out of control, and now you're experiencing success. And it's so cool just to see someone follow their dreams and and just go for it. And that's what all of us cakers are trying to do as well. And so you're a perfect example in and of itself of that. And now we get to learn more from you as cakers of what we can be doing um, 
with our money, with accounting, all of that. And so it, it all just works together well. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because I think at the heart of business, all businesses are basically the same. They're about creation. It's about creating a product, creating demand for that product, creating processes that allow you to execute on your vision and creating uh, creating opportunity by stepping into difficult things that cause you to have to have courage. So I always say business is about creativity and courage. Creating, courage. creating, like creating and having the courage to move forward is really what every business is about. Absolutely. I love that because, you know, a lot of times I think most people wouldn't disagree that making cakes is a creative process or art is a creative process. But I love how you're talking about a business about numbers and finance being yeah. also a creative business because it really is about creating something that people need and want. Sometimes they don't even know they need it, but then they realize, oh, we need this and then they want it and you're providing something of value for them. So it really is way more alike than it is different. It really is. I feel like business, no matter what business it is, is totally about the creation. So I, I feel like I spent most of the time in the early phases of my business, like just trying to create an understanding of like what my client needed, what packages we were going to create for them, creating, um, creating marketing initiatives, creating an understanding of like, I felt like I, and I still feel like I'm in a constant mode of creation. And I, and I, because we, because we're accountants, we work with a lot of other business owners. It's part of what we just do all the time is we get to see so many other businesses, why they succeed, why they fell, and what they have in common. And I would really, really say, if I was ever gonna write a book about it, I would write a book about how every business is about creation and courage, those yeah. two things primarily. I love that. Yeah, and honestly, the 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 tools that you are bringing, I love how you said you create a, like, do you do an individual package for each business then? So we have, um, well, we had our original package that we kind of had to decide, like, what would be involved in the services that we would offer. So, for example, are we going to be just bookkeeping or are we going to also be payroll and bill pay and invoicing? So on the one hand, if you're just doing bookkeeping and, and this is where we kind of get into, like, the, the logistics of a business, like, what does it mean to be financially mature as an organization? When people oftentimes when they think about their finances, they think about things just from like a tax account perspective where they'll say, I just need to create financials so that my tax account can do my taxes at year end. But really it's about so much more than that. Like there's the logistical operations that keep your doors open, things like um, paying your employees or, or, or buying the products that you guys need. Like when you guys buy your, buy your baking products, your flours, your sugars, your spices, all that other sort of stuff. You have to be able to pay those bills, manage your cash flow to make sure that you can buy the materials that you need in advance. Um, it's a, some people have rent, some people have, um, you know, other relationships, vendors that they pay. It's about keeping the doors open by, by solid financial management, making sure the money goes out the door when it needs to go out the door and making sure that the money comes in the door when it needs to come in the door and making sure that you stay cash positive through that whole experience is about so much more than just preparing financials for your tax accountant. So as we were trying to decide what kind of packages to put together for our clients, this is a decision we had to ask ourselves, are we going to be back-end bookkeepers, which is really just about providing um, something to give your tax accountant, or were we going to be 
financial managers of organizations where we got involved in money in, money out, and helping them make those strategic decisions around the finances. So when I say package, we have um, certain services that we offer in each client that we work with. When we, when we start working with them from the beginning, we go through what I call a discovery process. And again, I think that's um, true to every single business that when they work with their customer, they go through a discovery process. Like, what do you need? What are you hoping to accomplish? What's the end goal that you have in mind? Um, what are you hoping our relationship will do for you? Whether you're making a cake for a wedding or whether you were doing their accounting for their business. And then we had to identify what services they needed and then price those services based on um, the scope and the complexity and the expectations. And um, that's what I mean when I say packages. Okay. Yeah, I could just listen to you talk about this all day because, <laughs> I mean, ha- having you kind of relate it to what we're doing and everything, it just is, it just sounds, it sounds really cool and like something that I'm sure a lot of us are going to be like, hmm, perhaps we should be looking into this a little more. <laughs> For sure. And, 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 you know, it's funny because most people don't start businesses because they are comfortable with the finances, like very rarely um, are business owners actually um, financially savvy? It, it's just like a, a truth of um, life with entrepreneurs is they're not normally comfortable in this space. So if any of you guys listening find yourself thinking, oh, I don't like the financial side of my business. It gives me stress and anxiety. Like know that you are in good company with virtually, I would say like 97% of all businesses owners out there, especially if they're on the smaller side of the business. But know this that most people started businesses in large part because they wanted to make money. And if you are always afraid of the financial side of your business, you lose the ability to really use one of the most important metrics of success to evaluate how you're doing and that the finances of your business will tell you more about why you're succeeding or failing than anything else that you have access to. And so if you can learn to gather the right financial information and learn to read the language of accounting, it will tell you more about how to succeed than anything else you could do. Oh, that's great advice. So we asked all of our listeners what they want to learn from you, Brittany. And so we have some specific questions from specific people and everyone is at a different stage. I mean, we've got home bakers who are just starting out. We've got people who have storefronts. And so we're all on a different spectrum, but it all applies. We all need to know what we need to be doing accountant-wise. And so um, why don't we just dive into some of these questions and see what you have to say. So someone asked, what kind of records should I be keeping as a small business? Okay, great question. So the, the first step with being able to harness the power of your financials is actually the record-keeping part of it. So As a good starting point, we tell people, um, while we want you to utilize your financials for management decisions, um, making sure you're gathering the information for tax purposes is a really good start. So first of all, what that means is you need to be tracking your financial information in a system that will allow you to gather it easily to report to your tax accountant, but then will allow you as a business owner to consult with it easily afterwards. So the first thing I would recommend is, is doing more than just gathering your receipts and sticking them in a shoebox and handing them to your tax accountant at year end, I would recommend spending a little bit of time trying to learn QuickBooks, FreshBooks, Xero. Those are all um, platforms that are that are fairly quick and easy to learn. Um, I personally 
um, prefer QuickBooks Online. I feel like it has a great ecosystem. And most importantly, I feel like it has really fantastic training available, both built right into QuickBooks Online and also um, just a gazillion tutorials on on YouTube. And um, like if you're if you're trying to jump on into QuickBooks for the very first time, um, it's just it. There's a little bit of learning curve, but it's not that terribly difficult. Um, where I would start with it is, um, I would start by syncing your bank accounts and credit cards, and I would learn the process of just coding those transactions as they come through your bank accounts and credit cards. As far as gathering receipts, um, yes, uh, very important to do. However, not as important as you might think it is because your credit card and bank statement records are, are, are tax um, justifiable. Um, themselves. So unless you're buying something that's like, um, you know, like if you're staying at a Marriott, for example, it's kind of obvious what that is. If you stopped at a gas station, it's kind of obvious what that is. If you're a baker and you're buying materials from a grocery store, it's kind of obvious what that is. So receipts are a good thing to um, have and to track and, and holding on to them is definitely a good idea, but actually compiling them in a way that can allow you to easily see the results of all of those receipts, how much money is coming in, how much money is going out, is more important than just having the receipts themselves. And that really comes down to setting up some sort of accounting software. Um, accounting softwares these days are quite inexpensive as a starting point. Um, with QuickBooks Online, I think their, their introductory, um, the basic package is, I don't know, I want to say like somewhere less than $30 a month, I believe. And um, it will save you a ton of time in just being able to pull up the transactions, see them flow through your bank accounts and credit cards, just code them as what they are when they hit your bank account and credit cards. And then you will be able to run the reports that show you how much money came in, how much money came out, and when it's time to give things to your tax accountant, it's a pretty simple thing of just printing off those reports and giving them to them. So okay. the receipts are important, but the financial tracking is more important. Okay. okay. Yeah, because we did have someone ask, how long should I keep my records and receipts? And so... Um, so the rule on that, I think, is like five, I can't remember if it's five years or seven years. Since I'm not a tax accountant, I don't remember the rules of this, like, specifically. But, like, if you didn't have any of your receipts, because bank accounts and credit cards are are kind of like one step also, um, it, it is less critical than you might think it would be. And, like, when I when we've had clients audited by the IRS, they're typically asking for financial records more than they're asking for piles of receipts. Okay. So keeping the receipts is good. Also, if you're using QuickBooks Online, um, there is an app on your phone um, that will allow you to just take a picture receipt and then it will sync it, um, it'll attach it to the transaction of, with your bank account and credit card. And so you, if you're just doing that and you could basically throw away your receipt after that, so just take a picture with the QuickBooks Online app, it'll, it'll flow into your system and attach to the transactions as it comes to your bank account and credit card. Um, look, like find a YouTube video that shows you how to do that quickly and easily so you so you know that it's actually attaching. And then you can get, you can do away with the shoebox completely. Okay. Yeah. So the records would be kept for however really long you need them online. Right. So, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So what would you say are some of the top things that small businesses don't do that they should be doing regarding their accounting? Yeah, great question. So I would say that one of the big ones is a lot of things that business owners don't do is that they don't take that step that I just talked about where they turn their financial record, turn their paper trail into financial um, records. 
And the reason why that is so important is because if you really want to start to consult your financials and, and be able to start to uncover things like if you're making money, why you're losing money, where your money is going, it does require it to be in a format that is easily digestible. So if you think about the standard profit and loss statement that is a natural um, side effect of running your books through something like QuickBooks, it shows you how much money you're making and it shows you how much money you spent in every category and it shows you how much net income you have at the end of any period, whether you're looking at a year, a week, a month, whatever time frame you're looking at. And so the first thing business owners don't do is they don't turn it into financial records that allow them to see that picture. The second thing they don't do is that they then don't consult it to identify what's happening. So a couple of things that if I was a baker, a couple of the things that I would be really asking my accounting to tell me is I would be really wanting to understand, first of all, profitability on my product. So let me just talk you guys through this for a second so you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Okay. So let's say I'm baking a cake. Well, when I'm baking my cake, I have flour and I have eggs and I have spices and I have sugar and I have icing and I have all of these other parts that go into that cake. Let's say that I'm, let's say that I'm selling that cake for $40, um, but I don't really, I'm not really totally sure what my costs are on that cake. So understanding what my costs are helps me then understand how to price effectively. And it also helps me understand which of my products um, prov um, like contribute the most to my bottom line. And when I say bottom line, I mean net income. And when I say net income, I mean the money I have left over at the end of the day. Did I make a profit? So when I go through and I, and I, and I identify what the actual costs of my products are, let me let's say that I identify that this cake cost me $20 to make, but this other cake cost me $30 to make, and I'm selling them both for $40. Well, what that tells me is that I have a $20 margin on this cake, but only a $10 margin on this other cake. So I either, I might be inclined to possibly raise my price on the second cake, or I might be inclined to try to sell more of the first cake than the second cake. So by starting to kind of trace the costs and start to see what's happening, you can start to make decisions that will then impact impact the profitability of your business as a whole. Um, another thing to be aware of is you have your costs that are directly associated with the products that you're making. So your cookies, your cakes, um, your candies, um, the products that you're selling, the direct costs associated with those costs are different than the costs that are basically the overhead costs of running the business. So your rent on your building, your salary of anybody working with you, um, your utilities, your advertising costs, your marketing costs. Those are all costs that are what you consider overhead of the business, which means that they, they're not necessarily like absolutely directly necessary to run the business. Like you could not make and sell cakes without sugar, flour, and oil, but you could run a bakery without like you guys know, you run out of your house, so you don't have rent, you don't have rent expense, and you, you know, you don't have to have employees to be able to make cakes and, and, and sell them, you don't have to advertise. So those are all costs that are um, peripheral to the business as in the overhead. So as I'm as a business owner, as I'm trying to figure out how to run run my business profitably, step one is, I'm tracking the finances of the business in a way that will start to tell the story a bunch of stuff in a shoebox and put out on spreadsheets does not tell the story. 
So mm. if you run it through an accounting software, you start to see the story, you start to be able to make decisions. Second of all, I would make sure I understood what the costs of my product were and what my margins were on the products that I was selling. And number three, I would understand, I would make sure I understood what the overhead of my business was and how the overhead of my business was factoring into how profitable I was. Okay, that's really good advice. I know um, I know when you're first starting out, you're, you're so... We, we ran into this. You're just trying so hard to be sure that someone wants to pick you to make their cake, that you try to price yourself um, strategically so that people, oh, that's a good deal. Well, I'll go to them. When when really, um, I mean, we've all seen it. There, there are cake makers who we look at each other sometimes and we think there's no possible way they can be making a profit at those prices. And so that's really good advice to to do what you need to so that you can see the whole picture because um, I know a lot of bakers are doing this as a, as a hobby. Um, those of us who are doing it as a business, we, we need to be making money. <laughs> and I, to, to be really honest, I can creatively make a cake just for my own enjoyment without having it be a business if it's not going to be profitable. And that's, that's not what I would be doing right now. So, so if we're going to run it as a business, we need to run it as a business. So that's really good advice. Right. And running it as a business means understanding where your costs are being incurred and understanding, therefore, like the, where the revenue is coming in and how those are relating to each other. Um, you know, I, I was a CFO for a construction company several years ago, and it's kind of how I got my start in um, like I was a CPA before that, which means I was doing like the audits and the and the tax returns. But as a CFO, I came to really see the inner workings of a business and the, the owner of the business, they would bid on these projects. And if they, and if it was a competitive project and they, um, and they, they weren't competing well on price, sometimes she would just drop the price to kind of win the bid. And I remember telling her one time, I remember saying, you know, there's something worse than losing the job and mm-hmm. it's winning the job when you're going to be paying for the privilege of doing the job. Yeah. Exactly. If you're if you're doing it for free or paying them to do it, then you should just be doing it for fun instead of doing it as a business. Right. Exactly. Um, another side that's really important that I forgot to mention a minute ago um, is is the the revenue side of things. So I would imagine with with businesses like you guys is um, where you don't have a cash register that people check out at necessarily when they walk through the door that you may have to invoice after the fact and staying on top of who owes you money and making sure your receivables are not piling up and making sure that you're being paid and that you're tracking money that's owed to you and that's coming in in a timely way is another thing that can completely kill businesses. So if this is something that you're struggling with, if like I'm speaking to your greater audience, if, if receivables is something that you're struggling with and you're having a hard time getting your clients to pay you, there are all kinds of things that you can do to facilitate this and make it easier. For example, um, you can have them, um, you know, you can use credit cards or, or you can, in our line of business, we take ACH agreements. So when someone signs a contract with us, they sign an ACH agreement saying that we can pull funds out of their bank account each month during our engagement with them. And that alone solved the receivable problem that I was having when I was um, working with clients. So I don't know, you know, I don't understand the bakery business as well. So maybe you guys are always paid at the time of the sell, 
but I would imagine if you're doing a cake or something like that after the fact. Also, if, if cash flow is a problem, like consider things like deposits up front for 50% that allow you to at least cover the costs of your expenses going into it. So you're not having to cough up the money up front and then um, take the like take the remainder at the end of it. So cash management yeah. is a big deal. Those are really, those are, that's really good advice. And I, I would say as someone who does a bakery for any of our listeners that may be having a problem with cash, we, we learned early on that we just had to be sure that we were paid before we did the work. Um, yeah. There's there, you don't want to be left with somebody's birthday cake that they just didn't come and pick up and it wasn't paid for, but you made it and it's sitting there waiting for them. So we we just made it a policy that we don't begin work on anything until we've been paid. And so um, I think that that's a little piece of our advice to those listening about caking. Don't don't do it unless you've been paid because or unless you really want to eat it if it doesn't get paid <laughs> because because, you know, you 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 don't want to put the work and the expenses into it if it's a question mark. Right. And then also, like, because you have to incur the cost to cook cake, to cook the cake to begin with. Like, I think one of the rules of cash management is that you expedite any receiving of cash and you delay as long as possible any expenses paid out. So it's kind of funny because it's different than what you would recommend for like personal financial management, which would be like, you know, don't 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 buy things on debt. Um, you know, pay off your debt as fast as you can. Like for business, it really is about expediting money coming in and delaying as long as possible money going out. And that's one of the ways to keep yourself in a cash positive position. Oh, interesting. That's a that's a good policy. I like that term a lot, cash positive, just because, I mean, I'm new to all of this terminology and stuff, but cash positive is just such a simple way of putting it. Like you don't want to be in debt you would just want to be making money and in a position that your business is thriving and not you're not cash negative and so I, I like that saying a lot <laughs> and that you're not supporting the business out of your personal funds yeah, too sure. that's that's always right. I think risky when you're starting a business and you think okay I'll, I'll just go ahead and I'll cover this for now and and it'll eventually solve itself but that's that's always risky too because you don't you don't want the business technically sort of owing you money so right right like the 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 principles of financial success for businesses are the same in any business no matter what business that that they are and it's about you have to run you have to be running a profitable business eventually you know there's a lot of tech companies that um, start off and they run with huge deficits for long periods of time and they do so by getting funding and all that sort of stuff but in the long run no business can survive if it's not running profitably and profitability really depends on your ability to understand what your costs are of your product and what the costs are of the business as a whole and manage accordingly and then at the same time every business has to stay cash positive to survive as well and those are not necessarily the same thing like a business can be profitable but not cash positive and and how might that happen so for example you might be selling cakes left and right but like like you said your receivables are are piling up and you're not actually getting paid for the cakes that you're making. So while your books might show revenue from those sales, you're not actually getting the cash from those sales. And so um, profitability and cash positive, those two things are really the key to, I mean, it, it seems like it's, it's a no brainer. It seems like it's a no brainer and it is kind of a no brainer if you break it down like that. But 
a lot of businesses run without considering those two things as a as something to keep their eye on first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So another question we had was, at what point in a small business should you hire outside accounting help? Oh, that's a good question. So I would say um, I recommend that all small business owners start by doing their own accounting because they need to know how it works, how to read it, and how to kind of see if it's being done well or not. Now, that said, sometimes people have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And therefore, like the starting point can be um, like, I don't, I don't want you wasting time on a learning curve for something that's not mission critical to your organization for you to be doing. So um, I tell people um, that it makes sense for them to outsource their accounting when the, the, when the time that they're spending on their accounting could be, trans, could be transferred into money-making behaviors instead. So for example, at the beginning of a business, when I'm trying to get going and I don't have a lot of customers yet and I don't have a lot of opportunity yet and I'm trying to figure out how to create more opportunity and I'm not spending a ton of time producing and selling a product yet, um, that's a good time to be figuring out my accounting is when I kind of am trying to get into it and I have a lot of time. On, I have more time on my hands than I have money. But at a certain point, as things get going and you have customers and you have opportunity and you've figured out how to how to create momentum and now the time that you're spending on your accounting comes at the direct expense of those money making things that's a really good time to outsource it okay. okay that's good advice that's really good so our last question that someone sent in was how can an accountant help my business grow i liked this question because you know um there are, there are lots of reasons to hire someone but having the money go out for accounting is all makes it at the expense of maybe your bottom line. So, so having it having it become a, a profitable part of your business would be a good thing. So, how would you recommend that 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 would work? Yeah. So I would say a good accountant will help you make strategic decisions better, more effectively, and more quickly. So if your if your accountant is simply you know, gathering information for your tax accountant and you're never looking at your financials and they're never giving you feedback on your financials, then, you know, you can hire a daughter-in-law to do it for you or, or hire a dirt, a, a dirt cheap accountant to just gather information. But a good accountant should help you start to decipher some of the things that I talked to you about, should help you understand the cost of your product, the, the overhead. Like for example, um, you know, how much do I need to sell in order to break even as a business? What is my what is my point at, you know, like if I have say $20,000 of overhead and my margins on my product are 50%, like, um, you know, is it $40,000 in sales each month that I break even? Is it $30,000 in sales that I break even? Do I have to sell $80,000 of sales because my margins are so bad and my overhead is so high? And is that reasonable? Is Am I setting myself up for success? Um, when I make, um, can I afford to do things like go and open a bakery? Can I afford to do things like hire a social media manager to drive more sales? Like all of those types of decisions are ultimately financial decisions um, as much as they're anything else. And a good accountant should help you be able to see um, how all the decisions that you're making are impacting your bottom line positively or negatively. Okay. I'm completely aware of the fact that not every accountant is created equal. And so sometimes working with an accountant, you don't have that experience. But that's what a good accountant should be doing for you. 
So um, here's just a question from me. <laughs> um, so if someone were to hire you to help them with their small business, what would be like the, the beginning, the initial steps that they would need to take to do that? So um, if somebody was looking to hire an outsourced accountant, um, the first thing you should consider is what, um, what, what services primarily are your pain points? So what are you trying to accomplish? Are you just looking for bookkeeping? Are you looking for bill pay support, invoicing support, payroll support, cash flow management support, all that kind of stuff. So the first thing is to kind of understand what it is you're looking for. And usually at most accounting firms, you can kind of start at an entry level point and build upon it other services. Like we have clients all the time that'll be like, yeah, we want you to just start doing this for us, but then they start throwing stuff over the fence. Can you guys take over this? Can you guys take over this? Can you guys take over this? And um, as, as they, as they, are able to free up their own time. It allows them to be more profitable as a business. Um, but the first step is kind of identifying what your first point is. So then if you have nothing, if you have absolutely no accounting records of any kind besides maybe some receipts, um, most accounting firms will need access at that point to um, bank accounts and credit cards. Um, typically you want your accountant to only have view only access so that they can see what they need to see, but they can't move anything or touch anything. Um, one of the things to be really aware of when you're working with an accountant is you need to make sure that there are good internal controls around that relationship. It, I remember the first client I ever had, basically they handed me a checkbook and they handed me a stamp card with their signature and they handed me their financial records. Whoa. And <laughs> the risks around that are so great. So, so, so great. Um, so you need to make sure that within your relationship, you're maintaining control of your own assets and that you're maintaining good visibility into what they're doing. So, um, we only ever get view only access for our clients, bank accounts and credit cards. So we can't move money. We can't pay any bills through their bank portal. We can't do anything except pull up statements and look at check images and stuff like that. If we are assisting them with bill pay. We use tools like bill.com or Veeam that allow for um, really good controls where nothing can be paid without the client approving everything first. So we handle all the hassle of it, but they handle all the approval of it. Um, same thing with payroll. If you're outsourcing someone running your payroll, um, you need to have eyeballs on that payroll. Um, if, if a new person is added to the payroll system, you need to be the approver on that process. Um, whenever payroll is ran, you need to be reviewing the payroll and just making sure that everything looks good. When you do get somebody else involved in your financials, it is important to make sure you're not throwing it over the fence and running, but that you are maintaining a level of oversight and good control over your assets in that process. Okay, that's good advice. That's where we hear all the time about people who have, who have given over too much control and yeah. it was taken advantage of. So yeah, that's really good advice. Well, I think I think that covers pretty much everything. Yeah, we were, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, this was so great. I'm so grateful that you came on and talked to our listeners about all this. I think there's so much in there. This is probably one to go back and listen to a couple of times, at least for me, because oh, there's you. so much good information in there and so much good advice for all of us to be a little more a little more on top of the financial and accounting game here in our businesses, because. It is, it is a, it is a tricky part. For sure. It is, but so valuable. Like, let me say in closing for me, that truly nothing you do will be more valuable than understanding why your business is succeeding or failing financially and that your accounting holds the key to that knowledge and that holds the key to your success. 
oh my gosh, I have children now barging in, knocking <laughs> on my door. <laughs> 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 oh, all right. All right, scram. Come on, you're no, you're oh, that's, that's totally fine. Yeah, the to my door, and now there's no getting away from there. Like, never have pulled my Oh, funny. Oh, that's no problem. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, but thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on. And I think all of this is going to be so valuable for us now and down the road, especially as, I mean, the goal is that all of our bakeries will start to grow and get bigger. And if we're working hard towards that goal, then something like this needs to happen at some yeah. point in that process. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that you guys are doing this. Like what a service to your, to your friends and community for you guys to do a podcast like this. So great. Wasn't that great? I mean, seriously, we're lucky because she's a neighbor of ours and she's funny and we just love we love being around her. But it's also really fun to have been able to do this with her and to kind of pick her brain on some of these things that have to do with what we do. Yeah, for sure. And I loved at the beginning of her interview, she was just talking about how really any business, obviously caking is a very creative business, but any business takes takes creativity and takes a lot courage. of courage to start up and I just think it's so cool I yeah it is it's great to talk to somebody who has been through this regardless of what the business is I mean creativity and courage is um, something that I think every single one of us in the caking world feels regularly <laughs> and sometimes we get scared <laughs> but um, if we're going to move forward we have to dig deep and find our courage yeah and just to relate it back to last week's episode with Betsy how she had to have courage to quit her job and then do a big renovation on her garage and go all in to her bakery and her new dream of being a cake maker and I just think that that so greatly relates to this as well just having courage and I know all of us have to have courage on a daily basis to to take some of the orders we take and to put in the hours that we're putting in and but really it's so cool to just see that it's all paying off and then relating back to numbers when we do see that our numbers and our income are really starting to grow and we're starting to succeed in that aspect of it all it feels so good and so I yeah I think it was just a great interview I do too and I I'm excited I'm excited about what she can offer and what what direction she can help all of us um and people like her. I mean, all of us won't go to her, but I, I know we probably will. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you so much, Brittany. And so, you guys, we're kind of announcing today that next week is going to be the last episode of this season. And we we know it's a lot shorter than last season, and we apologize for that. But we honestly just can't see our way forward doing this during wedding season. And so we are going to wrap it up next week and then work our tails off during wedding season and then hopefully we'll have lots of fun stories when we come back yeah but thank you so much everyone for joining us on this week's episode of let's talk cake and thank you to our producer Corey for all that he does behind the scenes and producing all of it and thank you to each and every one of you just for supporting us out there and and making this all worthwhile. And we look forward to talking cake with you next week.
Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow the Let's Talk Cake podcast on Instagram. Subscribe and write a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.